0: Oh! <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Saturday, January 5th, 2019, and it is finally time to get down to business as the number one Alabama Crimson Tide face the number two Clemson Tigers in the 2018 College Football National Championship out here in Santa Clara, California. Ben and Sam here with you today to break down this game. It is rainy. It is windy currently here in the Bay Area, but things are looking like it's going to clear up for Monday, hopefully. Um, Sam will be out there tailgating. It's been pretty cool to have the national championship game come out this way. But that being said, I will say a few things. I've been had it having to kind of bottle up my enthusiasm for this game because, A, nobody out here cares. Like, nobody in my office gives a crap or even knows anything about college football and the game being out here. Um, I've had the dumbest questions, like, what game is this? What sport are you playing in it? Um, it's at Levi's, really. Um, and then also... I was kind of hoping to see the town painted orange, but uh, none of that so far, at least not here in San Francisco. I'm sure there's a lot more folks down in San Jose, Santa Clara area where all the uh, festivities are going on. But uh, I've seen one couple on a trolley rolling through my hood, but that's about it.
2: Yeah, I think the painting the city orange is gonna happen more in Santa Clara, San Jose. Um, But I I just wanna echo your point on coworkers not really caring or knowing. It's interesting, actually, I came into work yesterday on Friday morning, and my desk had been plastered over with a bunch of Alabama shit, and uh, the person who masterminded the prank uh, was actually the person who knows the least about college football in the office. He couldn't care less. He just knew that it was happening uh, because I'd talked about it, and so I got to spend the morning looking at um, Nick Saban on my desk, which was unpleasant, to say the least,
1: yeah, and so the podcast, we got ourselves a, a flag, our first ever flag, thank you very much, um, we've hit it big time, uh, to put up out here at our tailgate to identify ourselves so people can stop by and see us, and so I got it at the office yesterday, it was mailed to the office, and I opened it up, look at it, and people were just looking at me like I'm the weirdest person ever, and in my mind, I'm like, yeah, it's college football, and I do a college football podcast, that's not weird at all, but... Uh, you know, being from the South, like we grew up in a different, completely different culture than than a lot of people out here. Um, it's almost like if we were still living in the South and we were doing like a lacrosse podcast or something like that, you get those type of looks.
2: Yeah, it's not something that people pay attention to out here, which makes the selection of Santa Clara and Levi's Stadium all the more confusing. Um, you know, it's it's a weird place to have a football game because there are so few local fans, especially for these two teams. Um, but it works out great for us, the guys at the podcast, because, you know, we, we are obviously gigantic Clemson fans and it's right in our backyard.
1: Yeah. It's been fantastic for us. We're actually setting up a tailgate, um, which we encourage any of you guys, uh, listening. If you're making a trip out here to stop by, we've posted some information on our, our Facebook page. It's uh, at Clemson podcast. Um, or Clemson Podcast on Facebook at Clemson Podcast on Twitter. We'll we'll tweet out some information as well. But uh, yeah, we'll be setting up a tailgate. We'll have a few tents, um, uh, some drinks, some food. Uh, feel free to stop by. We can uh, go check out that information on our uh, on our pages there, and you'll you'll learn more about where we're at. And we hope to see some of you out here. But, uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun to kind of host. Uh, we're a ragtag bunch out here, not a ton of us, as there is back in the south. So we're having to pull some strings, pull some things together. Um, but, yeah, uh, just just a lot of fun. It is cool. And I, to your point, yeah, I totally agree that that Santa Clara and the Bay Area is, is one of the worst venues you could possibly have, the College Football National Championship. I don't question the fact of moving it to different parts of the country, like having it down in Pas- Pasadena. <laughs> Yeah, in uh, in Glendale, right? That that makes sense. College football fan base is down there, completely different. Just the Bay Area, San Francisco is the attraction, but the game is an hour, hour and a half away from San Francisco, and then to top it off, with the fact that you know Levi Stadium is not really that great of a stadium, and like you mentioned, there's just no college football uh, fan base or atmosphere here. You have Stanford and Cal, and while Stanford's a good football team and a good football program, nobody really cares that much.
2: Yeah, I mean, to give Stanford a little bit of credit, it is the best tailgating in Northern California, probably. But unfortunately, that's not saying much. Um, Cal, their fan base for football is, is non-existent. It, they just they don't even fill out their smaller stadium every week. So um, putting a bunch of people who, who don't really care that much in Levi's is going to make the stadium look not good if people don't show up it's not going to be full uh so hopefully we have a bunch of our listeners and other clemson fans and alabama fans uh, out here for the game who are ready to show up to the stadium uh, i was talking to coworkers yesterday about the game and i told them what the ticket prices were at they were like well maybe we should just go uh, yeah i we're, we're gonna a lot so i'm trying of- to talk yeah. my boss into going yeah we need a lot of local fans to to help fill out the stadium there's just not enough people from the south that are able to make this trip it's an expensive one flights have been insane uh, obviously ap- uh, apartments for airbnb or um, hotels out here are pricey uh, there's also a conference this weekend in the city or next week in the city uh, which is making those even worse so we'll see how full the stadium gets uh you know if it, if it ends up being empty we'll just uh, scoot closer from our seats and get a little better view of the action, but uh hopefully it's packed and we can make it feel like Death Valley out here in santa Clara
1: yeah and well well here's the thing first off, it's not a gigantic stadium I think at least seats in like what the sixty five thousand range or something like that yeah. um but you know to be honest with you, the networks and the NCAA could give a crap whether or not the stadium's full. If the stadium was empty, um, it, it, w- it would matter to, to them because of all the revenue. The, the revenue they get is from TV ad sales, right? Um, so if that stadium's empty, they're still going to play the game, and they're still going to get all that money from this TV ad sales from people watching at home. The, the ticket sales are a drop in the bucket uh, for, for what these guys make on this game, and nobody's ever accused the NCAA of... Uh, Having the best interests of the fans uh, in mind, let alone the players. So, um, yeah, they don't care about that. They don't care if it's empty. So, I don't think that crossed their mind. They a uh, the Pac-12, I'm sure, pulled hard to have Santa Clara uh, yeah. get one of the uh, get one of the be the venue for one of the dates of the college football playoff,
2: and they got their wish. They did, um, and it's you know, it's an okay football stadium. It's not good for the fans. There's issues with. Um, You know, sun in midday games and there's way too many uh, suites on one side of the stadium so it feels imbalanced but it's you know the game's still going to be amazing and we're going to get a bunch of fans from both schools into the stadium um like you mentioned ben we'll be tailgating all day getting there as soon as the the gates open into the lot that we end up in um We'll post that on our, our Facebook, our Twitter, et cetera. But it's uh, it's going to be a fun day, no matter if the stadium's full or not. Yeah, absolutely.
1: We're going to make the best of it. Um, we're going to try to throw a good tailgate, and we look forward to meeting a bunch of people, a bunch of Tiger fans from all across the country. Um, so before we move on here and get into the game, uh, let's remind you of how you can get in touch with us. Um, you can email us, clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. We're at Clemson, uh, Clemson Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we, sub, uh, encourage everyone to subscribe to our podcast, um, on any of your podcasting apps, um, and iTunes, please leave us a review there. Um, that'll be uh, super helpful. And yeah, we, again, we encourage everybody. If, if you're in the area, if you're coming out for the game, please hit us up. We'll give you the information. Come out and join us. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. Um, so with that, let's get into breaking down the 2018 college football national championship. Okay, Sam, you've, you've heard the narrative, Clemson uh, versus Bama part four. Is this, um, is this matchup getting stale, this being the fourth year in a row and the third time in four years it being in the national championship game? Uh, personally for me, um, no, it hasn't, but you know, who am I to, uh, to say anything? Obviously, I um, have a dog in the fight here, so um, I wanted Alabama, and I think the Clemson team wants Alabama, I think it's been awesome this kind of back and forth slugfest that we've seen over the past four years, and how it's going to play out. And it's certainly not going to end with the game on Monday night. Uh, looking at both teams' recruiting classes and going into the future, this isn't the last time we're going to face each other within the next, you know, five ten years.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. I think that I don't think the the matchup has lost any of its luster for the average football fan um, who doesn't have a dog in the fight there might be a little bit of a again type feeling, but if you watch any college football at all this year, you know that these are by far the two best teams in the country and they're headlined by amazing offenses, two of the best defenses in the country. They're super balanced and evenly matched. Uh, If you really love college football, this is the matchup you've been rooting for.
1: Yeah. And you've got two quarterbacks, two young quarterbacks that are Heisman contenders. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've just got a great matchup across the board. This is the first time you're seeing Trevor Lawrence in this matchup. This is the first time you're going to be seeing Tua in this matchup. Um, you've got the returning dif- defensive line for Clemson. A lot of great storylines across the board. And, you know, these teams are different than they were two years ago when they last met in the national championship game and certainly even different than when they met last year in the, in the semifinals. So... And the bottom line is, I think what's getting stale more so than anything else is the out-of-whack semifinal games that have just been blowouts for the most part and haven't even been close. But when it comes down to the Clemson-Bama matchup, especially in the championship game, we've had two classics so far, and this one's shaping up to be another.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Like you said, these teams are almost entirely different from uh, two years ago when we played in the 2016 National Championship game. Uh, The starters in that game at quarterback were Deshaun for us and Jake Coker for Alabama. So uh, clearly a less uh, exciting and dynamic offense for Alabama. Yeah,
1: please don't remind us that Jake Coker beat us.
2: Uh, The the running back matchup that year was Derrick Henry and Wayne Gallman. So that's clearly different. I think the only starter on offense that's the same for us is Hunter Renfro and Mitch Hyatt. Those are the only two uh, who are still on the team. Uh, and for Alabama, it's Ross Piercebacher, one of their linemen, and that may be it on offense. So th- these teams look entirely different, despite the fact that it's only been two years since that national championship game that Deshaun ended with a touchdown to Hunter. Um, it's It's two amazing teams that have, a lot of young pieces. You mentioned the quarterbacks, uh, but the running backs as well. Uh, it's sort of by committee for Alabama. We've got ETN and a couple of fantastic backups in, in Feaster and Adam Choice, not to mention Lynn J. Dixon. So these these teams are, while different, very poised to, to come out and put on a good show in this national championship game.
1: Um, yeah, so a different cast and crew uh, for sure. Um, there hasn't been one quarterback that's won this game twice. Um, so it's a little bit different every year. And the bottom line though, is when you look at it across the board, whether or not the personnel is changing or not, it's kind of just even Stevens. When you look at the S and P rankings on both sides of the ball for each team, it is oddly even across the board, uh, Alabama and Clemson are first and second respectively. in overall S and P rating, uh, Alabama second on offense, Clemson is fifth. Alabama's 12th on defense. Clemson is first. Um, special teams were both terrible, uh, both over uh, 90 there in a rink in the country. Uh, and streak the schedule is really the only place where Alabama has us beat They're sixth there. Clemson's 59th. But, uh, yeah, even uh, S&P's final score pick for the national championship game is Alabama 30, Clemson 29, a one-point difference. So if you're just uh, on paper looking at the stats and everything – it's pretty even across the board. It's ought to be an interesting game.
2: Yeah. I think the, the smart money in Vegas has, you've seen the lines start to drop uh, since it opened. There's been a lot of money put on Clemson on that six or seven point uh, spread that started it. So the pros, the guys who bet huge chunks of money are saying it's going to be closer than that. If not, Clemson winning, um, we're super even across the board. Um, And the matchups for Bama's offense versus our defense and our defense or our offense versus their defense are really good matchups as well. Alabama's fourth in rushing in the SP plus ratings and we're first in defense. Uh, they're first in passing on offense. We're fourth in defense in passing. Uh, they're second best on standard passing or standard downs. We're first in defense on standard downs. They're first in passing downs. We're fourth in on defense in passing downs. These are just two of the best at what they do in both. Uh, dimensions, And it's going to be really fun to see how the coaches played out and how um, our players can step up and, and make plays. And I think it's going to be a few big plays that, that are going to turn the tide of this game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think part of it really comes down to you when you rattle off all those rankings where we're, we're for all intents and purposes, even. Um, it comes down to the strength of the schedule and being battle-tested. Who is and who isn't? You know, Alabama's faced uh, seven top 20 teams in the S P, and um, including five in their last six games, uh, whereas Clemson has only faced Texas A&M and Notre Dame, right? So that's really all we've got. Um, you know, that being said, Bama's only really played one elite team in Georgia, and they should have lost that game. They have played Oklahoma, LSU, and Mississippi State, but again, when I when we talk about elite teams, and there's very few in college football, I say that is probably one of those, so we know Clemson is elite, not because of their strength of the schedule this year, but just because of what we've seen on the field for the past, over the course of the past four years, uh, and what they've accomplished. Um, you know, Oklahoma and Notre Dame just weren't on the same level. They're really good teams, but they're not elite teams, so Bama's going to go up against an elite team for the second time this year. And again, they should have lost the first one. So we know that they can be beat. Um, So it all comes down to Clemson not beating themselves and playing up to the level of their talent.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I went back and actually rewatched that Georgia-Alabama game this week. And watching the first uh, half and first half of the third quarter, Georgia looks like the clearly better team. They had shut down Alabama offensively. Um, there was one huge play for Alabama early on uh, for that 50 yard touchdown and one sustained drive. Everything else in that game uh, was pretty weak. They had a couple of picks in the red zone for Tua. Um, so he's not uh, you know, immune to making mistakes either. He and Trevor Lawrence each both have um, four interceptions this year. So that was half of his picks were in one game uh, against Georgia. And I think what, What did it is they were able to get a lot of pressure on him. So our defensive line, obviously, uh, we're missing Dexter Lawrence, but clearly in the Notre Dame game, that was not an issue. We were still able to get pressure on Ian Book, and I think the same will be true against Alabama. Uh, Their pass pass blocking is really strong, um, but there are holes, and a good sustained pressure throughout the game is going to wear them down and we have the pieces on defense to really get through it. So I think uh, that's going to be something that is going to be important throughout the game is is our ability to to get in the backfield and, and pressure and uh, hurry Tua Tagovailoa.
1: Yeah, and we'll break down each side of the ball here, but I think in the big picture, when you take a step back and look at it, is the difference in this Alabama team this year is just how balanced they are on offense, especially with the passing attack that comes with Tua being under center there. You know, in years past, Clemson really hasn't, had to worry so much about a throwing quarterback from Alabama. That said, uh, Coker to, to, to Howard was a um, certainly a, a dagger for the Tigers there. But, um, yeah, a, a different Alabama on offense, a different philosophy on offense. And then when you talk about their defense, yeah, we all talk about how Bama's down on defense this year. And I think a lot of that um, is because they got off to a bit of a slow start on defense this year. They were hanging around in the 30s, mid-30s in the S&P for a while there, but they've they've – made it all the way up to Mm 12th right now, which tells me they're playing better right now. Um, They're playing a higher level of defense than they were at the beginning of the season, so I think they're playing above their current ranking.
2: Absolutely, I'd agree with that. Um, Whereas we've been in top five on defense all year, we're now at number one, have been for a few weeks, Uh, Bama really made a run up those standings uh, as they started to shut teams down, like LSU getting zero points. Um, That's, you know... That type of game is what they've been playing the rest of the season. If LSU had any offense, they might have scored a little bit. <laughs> um, but Alabama has been shutting people down for for weeks. And the the Oklahoma game was against the best team in the country offensively for in Oklahoma. And uh, you know Alabama still struggled to get stops there. But Kyler Murray and and company are, are a unique challenge. So I think these te- these teams are both very strong defensively. Alabama, like you said, is is better than their ranking would suggest. Um, and we are just as good as ours suggests, I think. Uh, we've been playing at a high level defensively all year. Our many, many games in a row of 20-plus uh, point wins will show that uh, the South Carolina game, really the only exception where we let anybody score any reasonable number of points against us this year. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that matchup. Okay, so let's keep it on the offensive
1: side of the ball for Clemson and break down the Clemson offense versus the Alabama defense. Okay, this Clemson offense really took off this year once uh, Trevor Lawrence was inserted as the starting quarterback for the team. Um, And even still a little bit of a sluggish start with Trevor just kind of getting his legs under him his first year as a college football quarterback. But overall, 44.3 points a game this year which is well up from last year's, which I believe we were 35, 36, something like that. So this offense is scoring at a higher level this year, about at least a, an extra touchdown per game. We mentioned uh, the struggles that Alabama had on defense earlier this year, but they've seemed to overcome that now that they've got uh, kind of their, what wasn't an inex- inexperienced secondary, got their footing. Um, they've really stepped it up. So uh, this is going to be a fun matchup to watch uh, Clemson's youth on offense, but, super talented versus an Alabama defense that's really pulled it together here at the second half of the season.
2: Yeah, our offense, we know about all of the amazing weapons that that Trevor Lawrence has at his disposal offensively. Um first and foremost, Travis Etienne going to be a big issue this game. Uh if he has a good game and averages 4, 5, 6 yards of carry like he has for most games this season, um it's going to be a really good thing to open up the offense. Alabama's run D is pretty strong. Uh, Quinn Williams up the middle where we like to run uh, is an amazing defensive tackle. He'll probably be one of the top um, picks when he goes into the draft and my best defensive lineman in the country. Yeah. He won the Outland trophy this year, getting best uh, interior defensive lineman uh, over two of our guys, Dexter Lawrence and, um, Christian Wilkins, who we know are amazing, um, and he earned that. He has um, so many amazing plays this year. He's a beast. So the run game against Williams and the rest of Alabama's defensive line is going to be key, Uh, really not necessarily as a scoring threat, although Travis can always break one for 60 yards like he did uh, against Notre Dame. But I think the key is to be able to move the ball against them consistently is what we're going to need out of the run game this week. And if we can do that, it's going to allow Trevor Lawrence a lot more time and a lot more options uh, when throwing to the bevy of receivers that he has.
1: Yeah, so it all starts with really Clemson being efficient on first down, and they're really going to have to be. We talked about this last week. When Clemson gets into long down a distance on second and third down, their success rate on converting drops drastically. Um, and as it stands, Clemson ranks 20, only 24th this year in third down conversion rate at 44.4%. Um, and we're not great in short yardage situations. Uh, so being efficient on first down, staying ahead of the change, is going, and staying on schedule is going to be super important. Um, because we've seen that be the thing that has kind of hampered this Clemson offense. And it leads to us kind of getting off to some slow starts, which we're not going to really be able to afford to in this game. We don't want to fall down 14 to nothing like we did in the 2016 game. Um, Clemson is not good uh, on third and longs, but forcing Clemson into those third and longs has been more difficult. So again, be efficient on first down and avoiding second and third and long is absolutely crucial. Crimson Tide defense uh, to be fair has been shaky in those second and third and long situations, but they also don't put themselves in that situation often. So that's something to look at.
2: Absolutely. They they're prone to giving up big plays, uh, give give up big plays in the pass and the run game. Yep. And a lot of those come uh, in situations where it's third and long. Uh, They have a similar philosophy to us where if we get a team in third and long, we're essentially going all out to, end the drive right there. Uh, we're not playing conservative given up five yards on a 10 yard down. We want to get the sack. Uh, and they have a similar philosophy and that opens you up to a little bit uh, of a chance that, that the offense can counter that play and get a big play. Um, so that's something that we are going to need to, to look for, uh, on third and longs throughout this game. Uh, And we have the weapons to do that. T. Higgins, Justin Ross, obviously on the outside are incredibly good receivers. They're both huge. Um, It seems to me, going back and watching a few of Alabama's games this season, that their cornerbacks struggle with one-on-one coverage against bigger receivers. Uh, You saw it against Oklahoma. CeeDee Lamb, not huge, but very fast. Uh, Had an amazing game against Alabama in the semifinal. Uh, And against Georgia, there were a bunch of plays... uh, to the sidelines that, that got Alabama for chunk plays. Uh, Higgins, Ross, obviously are the big guys that are going to go long on those sorts of plays. Uh, but Rodgers and Renfro, Amari Rodgers and Hunter Renfro are, are going to be equally as dangerous on little screen passes and things like that. I think that's one area where our offense can can really attack Alabama is is on the outside.
1: Yeah, and Renfro is not going to have to be matched up against uh, Minka Fitzpatrick this year, so, which means that will probably be more, more effective than he was in the game last year. Um, but really, going back to the to the to the basics of all of it, Clemson's just really going to need to be able to run the ball, and they're going to need to be able to run the ball more effectively than they did, than they did against Notre Dame. That's easier said than done, of course, because Alabama's defensive line I think is better than Notre Dame's defensive line. Although the Golden Domers did have a formidable unit there, um, so. We, we've seen ETN get bottled up at times. He got bottled up at the beginning of the Notre Dame game. He got bottled up in the Alabama game last year. So I would say to the coaches, don't be afraid to put Feaster and especially Choice in there to, to bang around a bit if they are, if ETN is not finding success right away and the offensive line is not getting a push. Um, you saw a run by Adam Choice um, in, I believe it was the Notre Dame game where he just bowled over some people at the, the goal line. Um, He really is a powerful back, and he's underrated uh, for what Clemson uses him for on this team. So I actually look at him to be a dark horse in this game, possibly having an impact. Um, And the offensive line need to have the best game of the year, bottom line. They played well against Notre Dame. They eventually started wearing down that defensive line and getting a push in the run game, and they pass protected well for most of the game. But they're going to need to step it up in this one because you're playing an elite defense right now.
2: Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough battle. Uh, like we talked about Alabama's uh, defensive line is incredibly strong. The run game against them is going to be important for pace setting and for, you know, getting us into good situations for down and distance. Um, when we do get into those tough situations, uh, Alabama's linebackers and secondary are incredibly strong. I mentioned that their their cornerbacks sometimes struggle against one on one coverage on the outside. Uh, but overall, they're both incredibly good. They've got a um, Sertain is one of their cornerbacks he's a freshman and he is going to be an NFL player someday Um, but you know they're still a young secondary like you mentioned so they're they're prone to to mistakes at times and they they're not going to miss tackles but they might have a blown coverage every once in a while and Trevor and the receiving core need to be able to take advantage of that when it happens.
1: Yeah, so it's really picking out a team's weakness and preying on that. And that's something that Nick Saban in Alabama does really well. Can Clemson do the same thing? Um, Listen, Bama's going to bring pressure in this game. uh, But we can't let them do it with just four. got to have to give Trevor Lawrence time to find some of these guys, like you mentioned. Uh, Bama ranks eighth nationally in sacks per game and that starts with, we talked about Quentin Williams at the tackle position, but you also got defensive end Isaiah Bugs and the linebacker Christian Miller, who has been nursing a hamstring. So we'll take a look at that and see how it hampers him. But uh, bottom line is the offensive line is going to is gonna have to hold up and give Trevor Lawrence time to throw the ball. And that's going to include taking shots down the field. They're secondary, good on the underneath passes, but they can get beat on, on deeper roots. So like you mentioned, Higgins, Ross, Going to be huge factors in this game. Higgins was supposed to be a factor in the game last year before he got hurt, but having him and Ross out there on the field at the same time, again, if you can get one of those guys in a four man set, uh, getting lined up, uh, against a safety, that's a mismatch that you're going to see these receivers win over and over again.
2: Yeah, really any one-on-one coverage with either of those two is a mismatch. Uh, you need to be able to double team them because they're both so massive and can go up and get a jump ball that, that, Trevor Lawrence is fully capable of throwing. Uh, I think Alabama's secondary is going to struggle to, to defend all of our receivers because we have so many that are capable of making big plays.
1: Yeah. And you saw T Higgins get knocked around a little bit in the Notre Dame game um, at, game at the onset, uh, but he got used to the physicality and Got better as the game went along. So he, they're going to face both him and Ross are going to face that in this game. Um, I think Ross is going to hold up pretty well. We've seen good things out of him this year, but they're both going to have to play at high levels. And I mean, you remember how well Mike Williams had to play back in the 2016 game um, for us to move the ball down the field and make a comeback in that game. I think it's going to be similar in this game as well. One of these guys, if not both, are going to need to step up. Um, and then Trevor Lawrence, let's talk about him. He, what What's going to happen when Trevor finally has to face adversity? You know, He's going to have to really come from behind in the game for the first time this year. And I'm not talking about being down by three points here and there early on in games. I'm talking about third and fourth qu- quarter crunch time. You're behind by a touchdown, maybe even two scores. What are we going to see out of Trevor Lawrence? Only um, Kelly Bryant and Chase Bryce um, have had to face kind of that close high pressure game situations this year and the only two on the team that i've had to come from behind so you know does trevor still um show that improvement that he's had progressing through his reads and handling the blitz um is he gonna show that he knows how to handle the pressure is the offensive line gonna help relieve some of that pressure off of him um you know are we gonna have to max protect with our running backs and kind of remove that safety valve element from the running back coming out of the backfield for Lawrence. Can our running backs actually pass protect? Does that, is that going to be why you see maybe Adam Choice or Feaster in there more than ETN? Um, it's all going to play out. But uh, we've Trevor Lawrence has been as good or better than we ever could have expected him to be. But that being said, he's still a freshman, and this is his first time in a big game like this. And, you know, two has been there before.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tua brought his team back to the to the national championship coming from behind last year uh, against Georgia. Trevor has not had to deal with that. Uh, the one game where we were down, he got hurt. Uh, and luckily, Chase Bryce was able to come in and, and step up and bring us to victory in that game. But I think uh, really all the things that you just mentioned make me... Really excited to see the chess match between our coaching staff and Alabama's coaching staff in this game. Yeah, for sure. There are so many different ways that these teams can attack each other because they're so balanced and so evenly matched. And um, I just, I'm really excited to see, you know, if we start early and uh Trevor's getting pressured and getting slammed do we bring Garrett Williams into the game and just keep him in the backfield as an extra blocker do we switch out running backs do we um, change our sets so that we've got more receivers out so they have to put more people in the secondary like there's so many ways that both of these coaches can can attack the other team um and I'm just I'm really excited to see what both have come up with they've had Only a week to prep for this game as opposed to the month for the semifinals. But these are two of the best coaching staffs in the country, as evidenced by their continued appearance in these, in these games and um, the salaries of the assistants that, that these two coaches have brought in. They've both built incredible staffs. And uh, I think this is going to be a really good um, showcase for those coaching staffs to show their ability to adapt within a game and their ability to plan for an incredibly balanced and skilled uh, opposition.
1: Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, however we figure out a way to do it, we're going to have to protect Trevor Lawrence and keep him upright. Um, And if that means committing more guys into the backfield uh, to pass protect and leaving our wide receivers in sometimes double coverage – Um to do the work to get open and go up there and fight for balls and get them That's what's gonna have to happen. It's gonna have to be on those wide receivers to do that Um, if it comes down to that and we need more guys in the backfield to pass protect because we do not protect trevor lawrence It's gonna be a long night. Um, I will caution fans Um, do not worry about his first turnover in this game if it should happen I know he's only got four interceptions on the year. We're not seeing those So there could be a little panic set in if you see that early on in this game. But don't worry about the first tuner, but wait to see what happens after that. Wait to see how he reacts and, you know, what happens with his game. Does he become tentative Um, or does he go out there with the same confidence and continue to do the things he's done so well all year long? Um, And finally here, the, the Dexless factor. And I'm actually... I didn't think about it as much on offense as it on defense, obviously. But what happens with the jumbo package? You know, that has been a big part of the game from the very first game uh, this year. And you know they've been cooking up something um, specifically for a big game like this. What do you do? Who replaces Dex in that situation? Has Albert Huggins been backing him up uh, in the jumbo package as well? It'll be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I mean, we have uh, backup linemen that could potentially offensive linemen that could jump in there. We have Huggins or Pinkney, who are big guys that that could fill that hole.
1: But nobody's um, 350.
2: Nobody's 350. Nobody is an agile 350 and a terrifying human being quite like Dexter Lawrence. Um, you're right. I hadn't thought about the, the jumbo package um, as much for his absence, but it's something that could absolutely come into play and something that the coaching staff I'm sure is taken into account. Um, but those little twists and turns um, like the jumbo package or uh, an onside kick. Sorry to have to bring that up uh, are, are things that are going to turn the tide of this game and are going to make one team come out victorious. And if that jumbo package is the thing that we wanted to use to, to get a touchdown or get a first down, that's really going to make us uh, give us the advantage in this game. Then, Dexter's absence is going to be felt heavily on on both sides of the ball. Um, So hopefully we've got some things up our sleeve. Uh, Brayden Galloway, I think, as well, is something that will feel his absence offensively because we've seen throughout the year the the games that he's gotten targets. He's an incredibly capable receiver. Uh, I think there's a very good chance that the coaching staff had planned to use him uh, as a weapon that was sort of underutilized throughout the year. In these two games, had they been, had he been eligible Um, and we don't have someone comparable to fill his role. We don't have another tight end that can do what he can do. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see how we compensate and how we adapt and, and come up with other wrinkles to our strategy that, that are going to get Alabama off guard.
1: Yeah, listen, we, uh, we, we burned his red shirt this year. He played in uh, more than four games. But he only has five receptions. So, yeah, I certainly don't think that we burned that red shirt for him to only catch five balls this year. I agree with you, and Tully mentioned this before, um, that he was probably going to be um, have a couple packages, and it, it, it sucks to lose that. Um, but and I think, all in all, uh, the keys to this offense being successful is they need to find moderate success in the run game and pass protect and avoid turnovers. Stay yep. ahead of the chains. Again, you got to be good on first down. Um, and then when we when we are in third along, if they're able to get pressure with just four, that's going to make it really fi- uh, hard to find those open receivers down the field. So uh, I mean, stay ahead of the chains and don't let them get pressure with just four. If we can't pick up the blitz, Trevor's just not going to have enough time to, to find an open man. Uh, so, you know, I think that's the bottom line. Do well yeah. on first down and
2: uh, don't let them get pressure with just four. Agreed. Uh, We're one of the more explosive teams in the country offensively, uh, but I don't think that that's the focus for this game. We're not looking for a bunch of big plays. We're looking for consistent movement of the ball. Um, The big plays are obviously welcome, and if we can break off a 40, 50, 60-yard play here and there, that's incredible and obviously helps the offense tremendously. Uh, But the most important thing and the planning for this game has to be around moving the ball consistently, getting those four or five yards on first down, and making the short plays on, on third and short, making the right plays on third and long when they blitz, uh, picking up the pass rush consistently. Um, so, you know, we'll see how the execution goes, but that's got to be part of the plan for, for the team this week offensively.
1: Yeah. Again, pay attention. If we're, if we're getting three yards or less on first down, that's going to become a factor. Um, so that wraps it up for the, uh, the preview of the Clemson offense versus the Alabama defense. Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball talk about the Clemson defense versus the Alabama offense okay in this game we've got the number one defense in the country versus the number two offense that's uh, the Clemson defense versus the Bama offense so um, again for Alabama that's not something you're normally used to seeing out of them as the offense ranks so highly um, but they've got it this year and two has been a big uh, uh, part of that they've struggled uh, against one team this year, and that's Mississippi State, who's the number three defense in the country. Well, good thing for the Tigers, we're number one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, their offense is is dynamic. It is equally as dynamic as ours. They've got a three hundred running back in Damian Harris, Najee Harris, and Joshua Jacobs. That is can can do it all. They can block. They can. They have a power runner. Uh, they have a speed back. They can catch out of the backfield, which is something that our running backs don't really do very well. Harris, Damian Harris, and Joshua Jacobs have combined for 39 yards, uh, 239 catches, 200, 430 yards, and three touchdowns this year receiving, um, which is something we just don't see from from Feaster, ETN, and Choice. Um, Tua, obviously, an incredible quarterback. He can also run a bit, uh, but he generally tries to stay in the pocket. And their receiving core is, I wouldn't say quite as good as ours, but it is one of the top three or four in the country without a doubt.
1: Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're top three wide receivers, uh, Judy, Waddle, and Ruggs. Uh, they'll all play in the NFL.
2: Yeah. Not to mention Irv Smith, who yeah, is tight their end. tight end. Yeah. Uh, who's also incredible. Um, so this team is, they have the weapons, they can make the plays, they can do it a lot of different ways. Uh, and that is terrifying. But when you look at our our defense, we are far and away the best defense in the country this year. And that is for a lot of reasons. Our defensive line, obviously, is the, the key reason that we've been incredible. We can get pressure with three or four rushers. Um, Dexter Lawrence missing hurts us there. But his backups in Pinkney, uh, Jordan Williams, and Albert Huggins are very capable and would be... Very large contributors at other programs around the country.
1: Huggins would be starting in most of Huggins would
2: start. Pinkney might yep. in most. Uh, Jordan Williams is a little bit raw still. Would be a starter next year probably. Absolutely. Incredibly skilled. Um, I'm actually excited to see him get more snaps because he's pretty explosive and fun to watch in that do tackle position. And this is a guy um, who's
1: making the transition from defensive end. I, I mean, that was his position coming in.
2: Yeah, that's where a lot of the explosion comes from, right? He's, he's used to getting around the end and either powering through offensive linemen or through tackles. Um, but he, he's really good. Uh, and we'll get to see a lot more of him this week and next year. Um, but yeah, our defense is equally good. Uh, through each level, our linebacking core. Uh, we noticed the absence with Trey Lamar earlier in the year. There were a game where he missed, and <clears throat> our secondary looked a lot weaker. He's sort of the captain of that secondary and the back seven. Um, he's able to, you know, direct traffic and make adjustments just like Trevor Lawrence would on offense for our defense. And it's it's really important that he is able to, you know, he's very quick. And strong, he can play Rundy, he can play Pasty. Uh, I think he's going to be really important in this game because the passes across the middle are where Alabama really likes to attack. Uh, They love things up the seam, um, either to Irv Smith, who we mentioned, or to Judy or one of the other receivers coming across the middle. Uh, And I think that Trey Lamar and Co. in the linebacking uh, core – are going to be really key to, to shutting that down and giving us a chance to really get pressure on Tua by giving a little more time to get in the backfield.
1: Yeah. So, but, but where do you start here? Like, um, or where do you start trying to stop them? I guess you would say, you'll hear that you need to focus on stopping their passing game because they haven't been as dominant in the run game this year, but, uh, You also hear that they haven't had to run because their passing game has has been so good. Bottom line for me, you're going to have to do both. This isn't going to be a take-one-thing-away game and everything's going to work out for you. Um, So I I think very similar to Clemson, it starts with a run. Um, On those early downs, getting them into third and long because they're Mm -hmm. not as successful in third and long, uh, very similar to Clemson. Uh, Bama's run game, though they haven't been running as much this year, it's still incredibly efficient. Doesn't create a lot of big plays, uh, but their top three backs all average over 5.3 yards of play and they get yards in chunks. Um, you mentioned Harris Jacobs and Najee Harris. Um, Harris and Jacobs are going to get more of the, the, the workload at the beginning of the game. You'll see Najee Harris come in later as a finisher um, and be, watch out for that because he'll be coming in fresh. Um, they spread the ball around between these running backs very well to keep them all um, healthy and fresh throughout the game. Very similar to Clemson. Um, but again, They pick up chunk yards. We really need to limit that on those early downs to set up those third and longs. And part of this means tackling well and run support from the secondary is going to be crucial.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Our cornerbacks and our uh, safeties are going to need to make some plays in space against either these running backs or on screen plays for the receivers. Uh, Making sure tackles and preventing plays that should be five or six yards from getting to 10 or 12 is going to be a huge differentiator in this game. I think if guys like, uh, AJ Terrell and Trayvon Mullen and, you know, the rest of our secondary can, can make those tackles, uh, for one or two yards on the running backs as they come out into space, it's going to make the rest of everyone's jobs way easier. Uh, we're going to have to rely on them pretty heavily. I agree with your, uh, statement that it's got to start with the running game. If, if we slow them down and get stops on, on early downs, first and second down and put them in third and long situations, we've talked about it already. Uh, they don't convert well in those situations. So playing that um, field position game is going to be really important to the, to the success of our defense this game. Yeah.
1: So again, sure. They can run it, but they don't have to, but yeah, they kind of do. I know their passing game is do uh, good, but they do, kind of have to run the ball successfully early on because, again, they're not great on third and long. Um, So when we get into those third and long situations, Alabama ranks 61st on third and long, so, again, not very good. We really key in on protecting against the run on third and long. because you mentioned this earlier, Sam, Clemson, when we get into those situations, Clemson is really blitz happy and usually goes all out. And Clemson ranks 71st and blitz down big play rate. So we have a tendency to give up big plays on third and long. So watch out for that. Will they bust some big run plays on third and long to gain that yardage and move the chains?
2: Yeah, something that that Alabama does well is is counter those blitz plays. Tua is incredibly good at getting rid of the, rid of the ball quickly if they're going to go for a pass. Uh, and the little draw play for Harris or, or uh, Jacobs is a really good way that they have countered those blitzes all season. Um, obviously, this is a team offensively in Alabama who doesn't get in a ton of third and long situations throughout this season. They're really good offensively. They've moved the ball really well on first downs and second downs throughout the year. Um, so putting them in, in a less familiar situation, I think is something that's going to help us as well. There aren't probably very many plays this year where they've been in third and 13, you know, where we get a sack, they get an incompletion and then they have third and super long. They've been in plenty of third and five through 10, um, as every college football team is, but getting really behind the chains aggressively is not something they've probably had to deal with. So that's where the pressure and those first downs, um, sacks or stuffs are really, really important.
1: Okay, so let's stop beating around the bush here um, and avoiding this um, because we haven't had to address this in years past, but BaMA has finally caught up to the 21st century with their offense by inserting the forward pass into their game planning. So it all starts with TuA. His leg, I don't care what anybody says, is probably still not 100%. Going to have to get on him and knock him around early on. Obviously, not condoning trying to hurt anybody, but he's going to need feel the pressure and take some hits. Um, but this Bamba passing attack ranks first in passing plays of 20 more 20 more yards with 78 this year. That's up, um, er, that's up from 56 when they ranked last year, which is absolutely incredible. Um, this is going to be probably the best wide receiver talent that, that Clemson has faced all year for sure. Uh, we mentioned those guys, Judy Waddle and uh, Ruggs. All these guys are averaging over 16.1 yards a catch. You throw in Irv Smith there, 6'4", 240-pound uh, tight end. So that means that we're probably not going to be able to blitz a lot. We need to sit guys back in coverage to cover these guys. And watch out for Waddle. He is incredibly fast, and he's going to be in that slot position, the one that killed us against South Carolina.
2: Yeah, he's their return man as well, dangerous there as well. Um we haven't even mentioned Devontae Smith, who is also a key third down guy for them. Um, I think we got a good practice round against a really strong receiving core with a decent quarterback last week. You a physical receiving core. Absolutely. Um, the receiving core for Notre Dame last week was gigantic on the outside in Claypool and Boykin, and they had a Hunter Renfro slash Jalen Waddle uh, type player in, in Chris Fink. and so they're one of the better receiving cores in the country, and we were able to shut them down pretty effectively. Uh, we did see some struggles on the outside uh, when it was one-on-one coverage with their big receivers. Alabama doesn't really have the size on the outside as much as a Notre Dame or we do. So I think that helps our, our cornerbacks because they're bigger than your average cornerback. They can deal with a guy like Judy or Ruggs who, who are not gigantic receivers Uh, They're incredibly fast, but not gigantic. Judy's only 6'1", 190. Um, So hopefully the physicality of of our secondary is going to be able to slow down some of the action from the receiving core for Alabama in this game. Uh, It's definitely going to be an interesting matchup to watch.
1: Yeah, you're right. You know, Bama doesn't really take a lot of deep shots. Uh, What their wide receivers are really good at is uh, taking short catches and turning them into big gains. So. Uh focusing on uh with the linebackers in the secondary, limiting the yards after the catch is going to be critical in this game to keep Bama from just moving the ball down the field in big chunk plays
2: yeah, we're going to want to keep them in front of us, uh, but closing that gap after a reception is obviously going to be important uh to slowing them down. They will take bomb shots every once in a while after they've done some more crossing routes and underneath routes um so it, it is something that is part of their game plan, but it's not like you mentioned, it's not the primary way they like to get big plays. Um, they like to set the receivers up in open space and let them work. And they have the receiving core to, to do that incredibly well. Um, so, you know, our secondary and our linebacking core are really going to need to be uh, vigilant in making sure that they don't give too much space to these guys. Um, and all the while making sure that nobody gets behind them. Uh the safety play is going to be really important to that aspect. Obviously, that's that's what the safeties are for, is to make sure that we don't have people behind us. Um so I think, you know, if if we see some major chunk plays coming from that open space play that Alabama likes to do, um it could be a setup from Saban and the coaching staff of Alabama to try and get an over the top play ready. <clears throat> it's something we're going to need to watch throughout the whole game.
1: Yeah, and so that takes us here to the Dexless factor again you know, on the defensive side of the ball, and the defense is simply the or the line is simply going to have to dominate without him. I know Albert Huggins and Pinckney and Williams had a good game against Notre Dame, but um, Alabama's offensive line is a different animal. Um, they are missing starting left guard uh, Deontay Brown due to a suspension, so that is the guy that would line up typically opposite of Dexter Lawrence's four tech position. Uh, but his backup, Lester Cotton, has made eight starts this year, and he's a really good ball player as well. So and a senior, so he yeah, knows what he's doing exactly. So you know we're going to have to stop Bama essentially with a six man box, no more than that. It, you know, hopefully a four or five will do to to get to allow us to have more guys back in coverage. And we're really going to have to devote more attention to stopping this passing game. Um, that's the bottom line. And we're going to need to be able to bottle, bottle up the run with less guys and almost pretend like Dexter Lawrence is still in there. Um, that double team is probably going to shift over to Christian Wilkins. And although he does a good job of beating double teams, he's still not Dexter Lawrence. He still doesn't have that size. He has more quickness, but not the size and Alabama is going to focus on neutralizing Wilkins. So I think that's where Albert Huggins is really going to have to step up there. Um, he's going to have to control his gaps, not just rush to it. He's going to have to play more like a four tech in this game.
2: Yeah. Something that Dex does incredibly well is occupy offensive linemen. Um, he doesn't have the gaudy st- in general exactly. He doesn't. He doesn't have the gaudy stats of sacks and tackles for loss, because usually when we're getting in the backfield, he's taking on two or three guys by himself and giving them enough trouble that they can't help in other places, which lets guys like Wilkins, uh, Austin Bryant, and Cleveland Furl get into the backfield aggressively. That's what Huggins is going to have to do and Pinkney is going to have to do in this game. They're going to need to occupy multiple blockers so that guys like Wilkins, who is going to be double-teamed throughout the game, uh, can have a little more space to breathe. And guys like Bryant and Furl are going to have a lot of room to move on the outside. Uh, I think they're going to be really key to getting the pressure on Tua in this game because I don't think Wilkins and Huggins and Pinkney are going to have as much leeway with the double-teams coming in the middle of the field. Uh, So... We're going to need our defensive ends to really get in the backfield aggressively and, and do some work on the, the tackles of Alabama.
1: Yeah, listen, the defensive line has been the, the center. Um, and the reason for uh, the, the great success that this defense has had this year, and they're going to have to play elite in this game. And listen, this is what these guys came back for. This is what Austin Bryant, uh, Cleveland Furl, and Christian Wilkins why they turned down the NFL and came back for their senior year to play in this game, to play Bama again and beat them and win a national title. And I expect they're going to be up to the challenge and huggy bear. He has bided his time. It was looking like he was on the road to being a starter until Clemson got Dexter Lawrence into the program, but he didn't pout. He's the same jovial self. He's taking things more seriously. And you know what? His draft stock is on the line here and has nowhere to go, but up in my estimation. So I think this is going to be a great game for the defensive line, and we're going to see them pl- play you know, as good, if not better, than they have all year.
2: Yeah, I think they're they're going to have something to prove in this game, especially Huggins and Pinckney. Um, with Dex out, people are going to expect the line to do more, not do as much as they would have if he were in the game. I think the expectations will be lower, uh, and I think that Huggins and Pinckney are going to take that personally, and they're going to go out and kill it.
1: Yeah, so there you go. Um, again, kind of very similar things for both the Clemson offense and the Alabama offense. And it all comes down to the success rate on first down and not getting into those third and large, long situations. So on Clemson's defensive side of the ball, it's going to um, start with limiting the Alabama run game and also yards after catch on in the short passing game on those early downs. We'll see how it plays out. Okay, well, that wraps it up for the defense. Uh, we don't do this a lot. We haven't done it a lot this year because it haven't really mattered so much. But uh, let's take a look at the special teams in this game. Okay, Sam, um, probably the first time this year we gave special teams a first down uh, chair break there. So uh, I've got one critical note here. Just don't F it up.
2: Yeah, I think that's really the key to this game. Uh, we mentioned early on in the podcast today that both of these teams are not good at special teams uh, they're both in the 90s overall in the country in ranking uh for special teams the kicking games are i mean like all the other aspects of this game it's a very even level of skill uh for the special teams well yeah kicking the only
1: the only thing that either team is actually good at um the 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 opposing team is just as good in defending that uh, bama's uh, first in kickoff Return success rate and Clemson is 12th in kickoff success rate. So that neutralizes.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the kicking games are even, both kickers are in the 90s percentage wise for extra points. Uh, Greg Kugel actually just missed his first one against Notre Dame last week, all season. Um, And they're both not very good at kicking field goals uh, in the 70% range. Neither team has hit longer than a 49 yarder this season. Uh, The punt game is also incredibly weak for both. Uh, Will Spires, we've talked about all year struggling, averaging less than 40 yards a punt on the season. Uh, But Alabama's punters are actually even worse on average, uh, although they do it a lot less. Um, they're in the 35 yards per punt range, uh, whereas Spears is right up on that 39 and a half, almost 40% range.
1: Well, I think if uh, we've seen anything this year is it doesn't matter uh, what the statistics are of the opposing punter. He's going to have a Ray guy type performance against Clemson. So
2: yeah, it's usually uh, how it goes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, it's going to be tough with flipping the field. Um, and, and again, talked about it last time in the cotton bowl recap, um, You know, Clemson is going to have to move the ball deep in their own territory because Spears is not going to take a punt from the goal line and and kick it down to their 30. Just not going to happen. We don't want Alabama getting the ball at midfield a lot because uh, the less field they have to work with, the more successful they're going to be. Um, So, yeah, it really does matter. I don't care how bad their punter is. I think Will Spears needs to – if we can get an average of 40 yards a punt, that's going to be great. We'll take it. Yeah. Another thing, punt returning, neither team is great in punt returning, but that's not to say that the returners and Amari Rogers and uh, Waddle aren't capable because they are. So they both have the ability to break one. They just don't do it that often.
2: Yeah. Waddle especially is incredibly dangerous. He's got one return touchdown this year on the punt uh, as does Amari Rogers, but Waddle's average return yardage is a lot better. Uh, He's only got 15 returns all season though. So 15 returns, Average of 15 per return. Uh, Rogers returns a lot more and gets clobbered for zero, one, two yards at a time. Uh, on a lot of those, he's returned 39 for about 300 yards, which average about
1: 7.5. Which maybe speaks more to our uh, uh, punt return protection than anything else.
2: Yeah, I think that's a big issue. Uh, Rogers is just as explosive as Waddle, I think. Uh, he just returns a lot more ones that are uh, questionable and he probably shouldn't return. Um and I think that brings his average return yardage down. So it'll be interesting to see if, if we do a little bit more protective uh, return-focused punt coverage uh, in this game. I don't think we will. I think we'll, we sort of walk the line of, pressing the the punter and trying to get a return at the same time. Uh, I don't see that swinging heavily one way or the other, aggressively going for a block punt or uh, strongly blocking for the return game. I think we'll continue to kind of balance that out. Uh, Alabama generally tries to do the same thing. Uh, So we'll see... If the punning game comes into play, uh, certainly flipping the field is going to be important for the punters. But uh, if there are returns in this game by Waddle or Amari Rogers, uh, we'll see if either of them can can give a big return at some point in the game and, and give their team the advantage on a drive or two.
1: Yeah. So again, just just don't F it up. Um, play sound fundamental. I still expect that you're going to see trick plays and special teams in this game. It's the national championship game. You always keep something in your back pocket for a game like this throughout the year. Um, how much again, decks being out on that jumbo package affects things. We'll see. Um, but as far as the coaching staff is is concerned, just, you know, don't pull a Kirby smart. Yeah, that play was
2: so bad. Uh, rewatching that this week. I, I just watching that, that play call, I was shaking my head saying, why why would you do that at midfield? So as long as we avoid that uh, and the punting isn't horrendous and the field goal kicking doesn't miss three or four kicks or we don't miss a bunch of extra points, uh, this, hopefully the special teams doesn't play a big role in the outcome of this game. Uh, and if it does, hopefully it's not a gaffe. It's a big play by one team or the other. Uh, and obviously hoping for you know, an Amari Rogers return touchdown, something to that effect, would be incredible.
1: Yeah, let the storyline of this game be Trevor Lawrence versus Alabama's defense and Tua Tagovailoa against Clemson's defense. That's what I want to hear about. I want to hear about special
2: teams. Exactly.
1: Um, yeah, so the bottom line for this game, experience over talent. Um, Clemson has the experience. I know that, that we're young on offense, but Alabama is actually even younger on offense. Uh, Clemson averages uh, just over three years experience. Alabama, closer to 2.5 years of experience, so... Clemson actually has the advantage on the offensive side of the ball. And then on defense, um, we're about a half a year better than them as well um, in experience. That being said, Bama's got the talent uh, uh, differential. They, are, they out-talent us in pretty much every, every position on the field. You know, We're pretty even at quarterback. Trevor Lawrence has a slight advantage. But uh, they are technically more talented as far as the star rating goes. Um, but I think one thing that's really going to help, uh, both from the coaching staff and the players who have been on this team, this is our fourth straight year playing Bama. I know you can say that, um, you know, Bama has played us four straight years in a row too, but because we have more experienced players, more players on our team have experienced those games back in 15 and 16, uh, than these younger guys for Alabama on the other side of the ball.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The guys like Mitch Hyatt and Christian Wilkins, Hunter Renfro, the guys who have been in all four of these matchups are going to be really critical, uh, to calling out plays during the game, making adjustments uh, as things show up. They're going to recognize play calls. They're going to recognize um, formations. It's something that you know NFL players do a lot. You talk about guys like um, Peyton Manning or, or Tom Brady who who just recognized plays from 15 years ago that they saw when they were in their second year in the league. Uh, the four-year players on, on our team... Are going to have that advantage. They're going to be able to say, "Oh shoot!" When they line up like this, they're going to run this play. You move over. You know, um, it's it's going to be a sort of a coach on the field sort of approach for for the team. And I think it's going to be really important. Um, we'll see how it plays out, but it's it's going to be exciting to watch for sure.
1: Yeah. So again, we had the experience factor, but at the same time. Uh, the freshmen and sophomores are going to need to play like juniors and seniors, you know, talent matters, but youth can also cause some hiccups. You know, you you always have those, those youth mistakes. Um, so avoiding those is going to be huge. And, you know, that includes guys like Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and higgins and ross you know and i want to see feaster play like the junior he is and on the defensive side of the ball the young secondary are they up up to the task Have they ironed out some of those mistakes you've seen uh nolan turner and denzel johnson come on in the secondary late in the year and really improve their games uh throughout the year so yeah you just need to see those young guys really grow up we know they got the talent they've uh shown that all year long but then it comes down to the mindset do you have that that more mature mindset that helps you avoid some of those mistakes. We'll see. Um, but yeah. And then finally, what it really comes down to who wins the early downs. I think that um, the, the team that has to convert on less third and
2: longs is going to win this game. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, we've, we've done a lot of analysis of this game and of these teams. Um, I'm just I'm really excited that the game is finally almost here. We're two days away at this point. Um,
1: well, and that's the thing. Like, we, we no longer, um, at the start of the football season, you're not like, oh, yay, the first game. And then you're like, oh, yay, the second game. No, at the beginning of the season, you're like, let's just get to the playoff. I want to play Alabama. And here we yeah. are.
2: Yep, we've been waiting for it all year. It's finally here. These two teams did what they were supposed to to get into this game. They both did it undefeated. They both looked incredible and blown most of their opponents out throughout the year. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic game. Uh, it's going to hold up. I think it could be as good as each of the last three national championship games uh, between you know Alabama and us or Georgia. I'm so excited to watch this game. I can't wait to get to our tailgate on Monday and meet all these people that have come out uh, and our our listeners, so come join us at the tail at the tailgate. Um, let's cheer these Tigers on and, and hope for a victory on Monday.
1: Yeah, you know I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, the the excitement and enthusiasm is super high out here for us in California. And yeah, we, we're starting tonight uh, with uh, or this afternoon actually going to the boardroom here in San Francisco to watch the Houston Texans playoff game and Deshaun Watson and New Hopkins there. And then we'll roll that into the Clemson Duke basketball game tonight. Um, Clemson's probably get slaughtered, but whatever. It'll be good to hang out with Clemson folk. Uh, Then on Sunday, we'll be heading down to Santa Clara, join in some of the festivities. We've got a house down there. Um, And then there will be some, uh, again, Sunday night in San Francisco proper. There'll be a party at the boardroom and North Star, uh, two bars right across the street from each other. Um, the boardroom hosts the Northern California Clemson club, North star, the owner there, his son goes to Clemson. Um, so that'll be fun. And then of course there'll be other alumni events, uh, down in San Jose if you're down in the area there. And then like Sam mentioned the tailgate on Monday, we'll be setting up at 10 AM. Uh, you know, we've, we, we pulled together what we have. We all live in tiny apartments in San Francisco and there's really no reason to tailgate out here. So, uh, we're doing the best we can with, with what we have to make it look like, uh, uh, most of us grew up and went to school in the South.
2: Yeah, I think it'll look good. Uh, we've we've got a lot of pieces coming, bringing a little bit of the South in. Hopefully, from Chick Fil A uh, that people are used to when you're tailgating in in the Carolinas and um, in the Southeast in general. Uh, we've we've got you know tents and tables and a whole bunch of food and uh, drinks lined up. We're ready to go. Uh, we, Like Ben mentioned earlier, we're going to have the flag that uh, we procured for the podcast hanging above our tent uh, to call out to people, that hey, this is where we are. Um, so if you're coming to join us uh, or if you see the flag, come stop by, say hi. Uh, we'd love to meet you.
1: Yeah. So, uh, again, uh, be sure to check our Facebook page and Twitter. Uh, feed. We'll continue to update everybody on that, and looking forward to, to seeing a lot of you out here uh, for the game. And hopefully, you're able to enjoy this on your travel out here. Be safe, safe for your travels. We know some flights are delayed today because of the rain, but uh, but it's looking like the the rain is clearing up for game day, which is uh, which is a good sign. Um, Sam, before we go here, I'm not going to ask you for a score prediction, but if you had to, to make a guess right now, who do you have? Uh, who's your pick to win this game?
2: Uh. All homerism aside, I feel like we have a really good chance to win this game. The Stronger defense is going to be able to slow down Alabama enough for our incredibly good offense to get points on the board uh, and squeak out a win. I think it's going to be incredibly close like each of the last two championships with Alabama in the the final have been. Um, I think we win by less than a touchdown.
1: Yeah, if I think if I had to make a decision right now, and this pains me to say it because I've never picked against Clemson in the four years of us doing this podcast, and it's not because I'm a homer, it's like breaking down the games, I legitimately thought we are going to win, but um, I might have to pick Alabama right now uh, just because I think uh, for each team's defense, both teams have incredible defenses. Again, Alabama's playing higher than their 12th ranking right now. They're playing above that. Um, So then it really comes down to the offenses, and both teams have incredible amounts of talent on both sides of the ball. Um it just it, the two a factor is something that Clemson has not had to deal with, so that has me uneasy. Um, that being said, Alabama is younger on offense, so we'll see how that plays out. But uh, as generally happens, um, as we get closer to the game, my emotions are sure to take over, and I'm sure I'll pick Clemson to win. We will put out our official uh, score predictions on Sunday, so be on the lookout for those. And uh, yeah, you know, the game's almost here. We're a couple days away from the 2018 national championship out here in Santa Clara, California. And, you know, as California tigers, we're super pumped to have it out here and to host you guys. And, uh, We're looking forward to having a great time. So uh, we'll be back with you um, after the game at some point to do a recap. Again, uh, be patient with us if it doesn't happen right away. We've got to make it back into work on Wednesday after a night of partying, partying hopefully on Monday. Um, And we will hopefully like to get the whole crew, all four of us back together. So it may come out on the weekend, but hey, you know, there's no games after this one on Monday. So. You know, it's okay to be a little patient. So, yeah, we're pumped and ready to go for the game. Uh, Can't wait to see everybody. Can't wait for Monday to see the Tigers uh, take on Bama for the fourth year in a row. Um, And before we leave you today, uh, we're going to play a little nostalgia here, a little thing we put together after Clemson's 2016 National Championship to get you pumped up for the game on Monday. So until next time, and as always, go Tigers.
0: They said we were a little old cow College from Upstate, South Carolina, that we didn't belong as one of the elite. They said our coach was just a cheerleader. They said our quarterback was second best, that our team was a fraud. What they say now? I'll tell you what they say now. They're saying that the Clemson Tigers are national champions, that they are the best because they beat the best. They're saying that Dabo Sweeney is a great leader of men, and that Deshaun Watson is the best player in college football. They're just telling us things we already knew. Then they called it an upset. They said that the underdog prevailed, that David defeated Goliath in one of the greatest battles of all time. But they've got it all wrong. Crimson is Goliath. And as the confetti rained down, and tears of joy were wiped away, bright lights of Raymond James Stadium shined down upon the orange-clad faithfuls. They celebrated with their 2016 national champion Clemson Tigers—a team, a coach, a program, and a fan base that's been reminded since the dawn of this century that they didn't belong, that they'd never be good enough, that they'd never again ascend to the top of the mountain. What they say now? We were there for the Clemson City, we were there in Miami for 70 to 33, we were there for the 5P, and yet we still kept coming back, because the Clemson Tigers never die. We were also there for 4th and 16. We were there for the first BCS Bowl win. We were there for six 10-plus win seasons in a row, three ACC titles, five division titles. We were there for Auburn, LSU, Georgia, Florida State, Notre Dame, Louisville, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. We were there for 56-7, 31-0, and we were there for 35-31. There for Alabama, when the greatest player in the history of Clemson football rode a Trojan horse down the field and drove a dagger into the heart of a college football empire. Yoda, drop your beat and go crazy. Blue Ridge no longer found its greatness, it's roaring. From the mountaintops of the Appalachians to the shores of Lake Hartwell. From 93 to Centennial, from the West End Zone to the afternoon we were champions. On to Williamson, off of the bus, and up to The Rock. We're a group of gritty, fearless, dedicated sons of Clemson Give it hundred and ten percent Before running down the hill and into the valley The valley where the Tigers play Where the champions reside The 2016 National Champions The Clemson Tigers are back baby And they're here to feast
2: just think about what i'm gonna say hey folks welcome back to the clemson podcast yeah i got that part down <laughs> just i don't know which parts you need help on so you know better to be thorough stuff that comes after that in the <laughs> date <laughs> usually is what trips me up january 5th <laughs> it's before the national championship
1: Hey folks, welcome back to the Clemson podcast. It is Saturday, January 5th, 2019, and it is finally time to get down to business as the Clemson Tigers and Alabama Crimson Tide face off in the two. (sighs) So do I call it the 2019 championship?
0: Um,
1: like it's for the 2018 season, like we're the 2016 national champions.
2: Yeah, you could just say the championship in 2018. Yeah college football